Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. The way I look at it is the left brain is the analytical, then the right brain is the arty stuff. And that's where I got the idea of the crafter brain. My crafter brain kind of melds the two things, the planning, the organizing, the analytical with being creative. And that's what the crafter brain is. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 244. In this episode, I'm chatting with Francine Cloudon about staying organized with our crafting plans. Our conversation features a variety of tools and techniques she uses to keep track of projects and ideas. Hey, Francine, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, likewise. Can you kick things off a bit and share some things about yourself to help our audience get to know you? Sure. So I'm someone who's originally from a tiny island in the Caribbean Sea called Grenada, but I currently live in France. I've been a crafty person for, gosh, I don't know, maybe 20 or 25 years. I don't think I realized I was creative. In fact, I never thought I was creative when I was younger because at that time, being creative meant that you were good at drawing and I was really terrible at it. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't think I was creative until I found the wonderful world of crafts and scrapbooking. So I really, you know, that's something that I really love. Um, I moved to France just over 20 years ago from that tiny island in the Caribbean. And I'm married, and that's why I moved to France, because I met my husband, who's French, and we have a 14-year-old son. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Yeah. And what else? Well, uh, apart from loving crafts, I absolutely love reading. Reading is a big part of my life and has been basically from since I can remember. So I'm, I like to refer to myself as a crafty nerd because I love I love crafting and I love knowing things. <laughs> so that's a big part of my life as well. I think a lot of our listeners will identify with <laughs> that love of reading, being a crafty nerd, a lover of information and learning new things. I think, um, yeah, you're in good company. I'm in the right place. Yeah, that's good to mm-hmm. know. <laughs> So what's exciting you right now? We love to ask our guests about both what's going on inside of their crafty lives as well as what's going on in their everyday lives. 
Um, so let's see. In my crafty life, gosh, there's so much. But I think one thing that I'm really happy about right now is that I started back going to my in-person art class, which is a weekly art mm. class. And it's something that I did for four years, well, about three and a half years before the pandemic. And then, of course, it was canceled in 2020 when the pandemic hit. And then I never went back until this year. And the way things work in France is that activities like that run concurrent with the school year. So basically okay. it starts in September and ends in June. Um, so I actually ran into my art teacher earlier this year and he was like, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I know I haven't been to art class, but I promise I'll be back in September. So I signed back up started a few weeks ago and I'm so happy because it's something that was really missing because it's really truly a, an hour and a half every week that's just for me it's not related to home or my or, or my business or any or work it's just an hour and a half doing art with other people who are passionate about art and it's something that I'm just really happy about right now I think the other thing I'm really looking forward to is chestnut season. We live oh. in yeah, we live in the biggest chestnut producing area of France. They like to call themselves the chestnut capital of the world, although they're in competition with Corsica, with who also grows chestnuts. But yeah. So chestnuts are a pretty big deal around here and it, it's coming up on chestnut season. And not only do I love eating pretty much all things chestnut, roasted chestnuts, of course, but usually our town, every year our town has a chestnut festival in the last the third or the last weekend of October, which is really great. And there's a big party on the Saturday night and there's a huge chestnut rooster in the middle of the square and you everyone gets free chestnuts. So I'm really happy and excited about getting to do that in a couple of weeks. I love that. That sounds so delightful. <laughs> it's Around really here fun. we have the sweet corn festival mm. and the cheese festival, <laughs> the pumpkin festival. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's super fun. Yeah. One thing that stuck out to me with your painting class, particularly since you are a fellow business owner, sometimes it's so just so delightful to have someone else tell you what to create oh my and goodness. how to do it yeah. and to direct you because we're often um, in that leadership role and trying to help guide others. Yes. And I also feel that one thing it helps me with is like having a different kind of approach to creativity like I'm doing mm -hmm. something that's kind of different from all the stuff that I usually do and that kind of helps my creativity to grow and my teacher he's fantastic he's like uh, he's a professional artist, although he, he used to be an elementary school teacher, but art was his passion. So since he retired from teaching, the art is his thing. So he's, gosh, he's, he must be 75. And he always has these most amazing ideas. And it's it's what they call in French, art plastic, plastic art. So it's not just straight on painting. It's like a lot of mixed media. And he always has these just crazy ideas. And every week we have a different theme. And what I love about it is that even though we're all working with on the same theme and the same materials, everyone leaves with something different that's like really an expression of their art. Because his thing is trying to help people to find their style and, and do their art 
their way. So it's not a cookie cutter class. And I absolutely love that about it because I can see how much it, it has helped me grow, creatively speaking. Ah, oh, that sounds so amazing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so Francine, I went back through my records and we first connected in 2011 and now it's late 2023. <laughs> yeah. so that's so long ago. And, you know, back it was back on uh, through our blogs and the, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Right. <laughs> um, and I was excited to recently reconnect with you on in- Instagram because I felt like we've always had so many things in common. Absolutely. Um, can you? Yeah. Can you share a little bit about how both your personal and business creative pursuits have evolved in this past decade plus? Sure. First, I want to say I love that you have records to go back through because that is like some such something that I would do as well. Like I keep on hang on to everything so I can double check and research things that happened back in the past. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, gosh, how have things changed? I think back then, that's so that's 2011. That was when like scrapbooking was like my life, like my mm-hmm. my sole passion. It's I think it was pretty much the only thing that I did. I had my son was two years old. He was born in 2009. So even though I was actually a scrapbooker before I had a kid, and I did a lot of lots of scrapbooking before, of course, with a kid, you're scrapbooking the kids. So I was like, really, you know, the whole scrapbooking thing. It, taking a hundred photographs a day, <laughs> um, you know, getting those scrapbook pages done to document the life of this new little human being. Um, but over the years that has really changed, like scrapbooking is definitely not the number one thing. In fact, I would say that paper crafts have kind of taken a back seat, and I got really more interested in art and general DIY, DIY, I should Mm -hmm. say. And I do, while I do still do lots, a fair amount of paper crafting, in fact, I make, you know, I make my Christmas cards, I make birthday cards, I do um, calligraphy and that sort of stuff. Mostly I'm really into art right now. And my really, my big passion, personally speaking, is knitting. Well, yarn craft, knitting and crochet. Yeah. Um, Which was something that I learned as a child and kind of didn't do for a really long time and then slowly started getting back into it. I think actually my son partly contributed to it as well because I started making him like stuffed toys using crochet. And because of that, I kind of got back into use, you know, using yarn, crocheting, knitting. Uh, as far as business-wise is concerned, I know that back then I was all about, you know, being on scrapbook product design teams and having scrapbook pages published into scrapbooking magazines of course most of the scrapbooking magazines are now defunct i don't even think there yeah. any exists so i definitely had to kind of roll i guess you know evolve with how the industry was changing i was no longer interested in being on design teams it just, it didn't make sense to me because it seemed like a lot of time spent 
making things that were not necessarily things I wanted to make in order to showcase products. And at the end of the day, only having more product to show for it. So I really, I kind of moved away from, from all of that and realized that because of my very simple style of, of paper crafting at the time, I got interested in using printables, which I thought mm. were really a, a really simpler way of scrapbooking. I, I wasn't interested in having like all the fancy tools. I just wanted things to be simple. I mean, I had a young kid, so <laughs> I was really focused on simplifying like my creative process. And so I moved into, first I started off just making simple printables for myself. And I moved into starting to share that with the creative community. And then that has now evolved into um, producing notebooks and journals and planners and paper, not just printable ones, but also that are available in paperback. And so that's been kind of my evolution over the years. Yeah, I'm excited to dig a little bit more into that. But first, I, I want to hear a little bit more about your um, fiber arts journey. Uh, what are you still making? Stuffed animals? What are you make yeah, clothing? So, I never graduated from um, making things in squares and rectangles, right. editing and crochet. So, so I love to hear what people are making. Right. So yeah, I mean that's where I started to. Uh, with crochet, because for me, I found crochet a lot easier to understand. So it was easy for me to go from making rectangles, like you said, make from making mm -hmm. granny squares or simple scarves to making like the stuffed toys, which I did for quite a while. Then, of course, my son grew up. He's not interested in stuffed toys anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then so then I, I decided I wanted to start making, well, scarves obviously and then you know I do live in a place where it's we do have winter we don't have terrible winters but I think I mentioned I'm from the Caribbean so what people don't consider very cold for me is cold so I started making scarves and hats and gloves and then it turns out that my sister who's also a big crafter she got really back into knitting and she kind of just took that and ran with it. And I was just amazed at what she was making. And she basically encouraged me to pick knitting back up and, you know, do more with it. And I started off just making scarves, you know, just your basic garterniche scarf on really big needles. And I did that for a long while until I felt more comfortable. Because the thing about knitting is you have to understand like how the fabric is working up. So if you can't read the stitches, as they say, then that's when you kind of get lost. So I did a lot mm -hmm. of really basic um, things scarves using really big needles so that I can actually see like what the stitches looked like because when it's really small you can't really distinguish them but when you use the big needles and you have big stitches so once I got more comfortable and I really understood that that's when with the encouragement of my sister I started going into making more complicated scarves and then hats and mittens and now I, I am actually making garments. I've made nice. sweaters and T-shirts and tank tops. And yeah, and it's, uh, 
it's it's an evolution it's it's i think it's one of the things that i tell people not just about knitting it's that you know if you want to be really good at something you're going to start off being really crappy at it and you have to know <laughs> that in the beginning you're going to suck you're going to suck at it but that i mean none of us no one starts something and is immediately an expert so if you really want to work on something you got to go in knowing that in the beginning you'll probably be frustrated it's not going to look that good but you just got to keep practicing you know that 10,000 hours thing that they they talk about a lot with creativity but if you practice for 10,000 hours that's when you get to mastery of it so oh for sure yeah well I think being able to and this I guess this goes for so many different forms of craft it really does being able to correct your mistakes like that was always a thing for me with knitting and crochet right sure I could keep going but if I made a mistake I could never figure out how to fix it I understand Uh, yeah and that that's such a skill it is a skill and I mean it, it and it's not something you can necessarily do by yourself either I mean you have to have someone teaching you and but there's so many YouTube tutorials available now free tutorials and free classes that it is indeed possible to learn how to correct, you know, correct your mistakes and get better and be adventurous because in order to grow, you have to literally try a pattern that you think is too hard for you to do. <laughs> I've done that yes. a lot of times. It's like, I, you know, and my sister would encourage me and be like, oh, I want to make this. And she's like, no, you can do it. And, you know, as you, as you do it, if you don't stretch, then you will never improve. So that's basically my approach for not just knitting, pretty much everything. It's the same with art. I mean, I started off painting and it, it was terrible. <laughs> and I'm certainly not <laughs> a master right now, but I actually reflected recently after I started back art class and I can tell how much I've grown because before the idea of having to draw stuff really freaked me out and now I'm way more confident with it. So... Yeah, it's just about sticking to it, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, one more curiosity here related <laughs> to your memory-keeping journey. Um, I hear so often, like, even those who maybe they find other ways to satisfy their creative needs, I think in general, humans have this need to do to keep their memory. So I'm curious, you know, if you're still taking photos and how you might be documenting your life and your son's life, your family's life in ways that aren't scrapbooking. Right. I'm definitely still taking full hose. I'm taking full hose all the time. That hasn't stopped. What has stopped is what I use to take full hose. I had, I went through two very nice digital SLR cameras, which never, I never seem to pick up anymore because they're just so big. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. now that smartphone cameras are so good there's almost no need for me to pick up my big camera unless I want to, you know, I want to do something really like artistic, I guess. So yeah, I'm taking photos every day. I honestly, true confession, I don't remember the last time I did a scrapbook page, but I do, I do document in, in different ways, not so much on my blog anymore. Um, but gosh, Instagram and Facebook, I guess I definitely mm-hmm. share a lot of stuff there, you know, and privately with family and friends, I'm, you know, I'm still sharing photos and telling stories about what's happening. Um, yeah. And, but I have to say, I, you know, I want to get back to a more consistent way of 
memory keeping on like on paper, I guess. Because I do remember that my son really loved looking through the the albums and the mini books, and sometimes he will still come across one, and he enjoys that. So I know it, I do know it's important to get things kind of in a physical format. Even though as a teenager, he's really more about his phone now than anything else. But yes. still, yes. <laughs> but still, I know that he would love to look through, and I would love to look through like actual physical photos. So I have to say that usually. Every January, I'm like, right, this year I'm getting back to memory keeping. Maybe it will happen in 2024. (laughs) Have you seen what people are doing kind of with memory planning, kind of combining the planner format with memories and photos? Yeah, I have seen that and I have tried it. And I feel, I don't know, there's something about my brain that I I need to, it's like I need to keep the memory keeping and the planning separate. I can't seem to do it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that totally yeah. makes sense. It's the most important thing is understanding how your brain works. Right. So when your brain exactly. is saying, Heck no, exactly. this is not for me. Right. Then. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I, I have some attempts of, of, of memory planning, but no, I just, it just doesn't, didn't work for me. That's fair. Totally fair. So, you know, you mentioned multiple social media platforms, like in the past 10 plus years, <laughs> one thing that has massively changed is the availability availability of different platforms for connecting and sharing. And I think that's only going to continue. There's something coming around the corner that we don't even know the name of yet, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, you're still creating a lot. And how do you differentiate between what you create for your blog, for Substack, for your Patreon? How does that kind of mentally get compartmentalized for you? So my blog, yeah, it's sometimes, I mean, they're blurred lines, but I do have like specific things that I only put in specific places. My blog has become a place where it's almost strictly just I'm sharing, I wouldn't say how-tos, not really how-tos, but like tips and tricks and techniques. Like, you know, I recently shared um, eight eight things you can keep in your in your crafty notebook, for example. So my blog is really about those kind of informational type things, like just straight to the point information. Um, my sub stack is where I really for the last about 18 months, I've been kind of developing my community. I send out a weekly uh, five things newsletter where I include links to five interesting things that I've kind of stumbled across on the internet, as you do. I try Mm -hmm. to include something about books, something about crafts, a recipe, something about creativity, and then, you know, whatever else that I thought was interesting that week might be like you know just a a funny article that I saw I always write a little note letting you know my letting my readers know what I've been up to in the week asking them what I've been up to I share different things I'm doing I have what I call the my English where I talk about things I've been reading making um, listening to eating loving that kind of stuff I always share a quote from a book either a book of I'm currently reading or a quotation that I have, you know, that I love from, that I came across. So I'm really using that as a way to kind of, you know, stay in touch 
with my readers and you know build community and Substack is great of course because you have now you have the chat function so you can chat with the people who are actually receiving these these emails um and then Instagram is all about just I don't know broadening community reaching out having fun letting people get to know me you know I do post obviously when I when I put like a a, a tip tip or technique on the blog then I will on Instagram I will say hey I just posted this on the blog you can go check it out um, but it's mostly about what I'm doing not on a daily basis I don't post every day but what I'm doing in my creative life and then you know informational bits about the business if I release a new product or something so there are blurred lines but that's pretty much how I tend to break it down and I do also dip into TikTok, but not that often. That one is mostly <laughs> just pure fun. Like I just, yes. I just, you know, just pure funny videos. So I think that's about it. Yeah. Do you feel like that there's this resurgence of connection with Substack, with all these different options for communicating more intimately with, if you will, with our readers, followers, customers um because you know back in the day like blog comments were it like that's right. where we could connect with people you know twitter to a certain extent but it was so much in the blogs and i feel like some of that is coming back as people are finding social media instagram facebook to just be so noisy kind of getting lost in the shuffle um I'm wondering how you feel about that. About uh, Substack in particular? Well, just about the uh, connections with others, be, like people making comments, uh, engagement. Um, do you feel like it's changing for the better? That's kind of my opinion. And I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing. Uh, I, hmm, I'm not sure. I think... I know that I am commenting a lot more <laughs> on things yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel like I'm, I'm, I am more connected. I'm being more connected on Instagram and Substack, particularly. That I am, con I'm commenting more. I'm connecting more with people. Yeah, I am seeing more feedback. And I think one of the things on Instagram that I'm enjoying right now is doing lives. I've started doing weekly lives. And I feel like those are a way that people are, re that people are really connecting. I find myself much more inclined to connect on someone's live video where they're just being their kind of normal, natural self. And it's not like a pre-recorded, you know, perfectly filmed video. You're kind of just hanging out. I feel things like that are what are driving more engagement and more commenting. And that's probably why TikTok works so well, because it's really just about kind of hanging out and having fun. I know that there's on Substack, there's a lot of conversation. There are a lot of conversations going on on Substack, and I, I enjoy that. And yeah, I think people might be coming back to it. I think blog comments are like in the past. I no one comments on blogs anymore. <laughs> it's funny because you will post a link to your blog on say Facebook and people will go read the article and then come back and comment on the Facebook post and not on the blog yes. itself. 
And I think, yeah, we've gotten into this thing where I think we feel, I guess we feel more comfortable commenting on social media because it's more relaxed and a blog might feel like it's a bit more formal, which is funny because in the beginning, blogs were like totally the funny. hangout spot, right? I mean, that's where people yeah. were, were, were making connections. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how things have changed over the last, gosh, and I guess 10 years or so. Yeah. Well, and just, I think they're going to continue to change, but it's just, it's so interesting to just kind of watch how people's behavior shift and how my own behavior shifts and how we get just going to continue to, I don't know, facilitate those relationships because mm-hmm. we all, that's what we want to do. We just want to like talk about the things we right. like to make, why thing. we like to make them, what they mean exactly. to us. Exactly. You know, yeah. how are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Like, let's figure this out. Um, yeah. And- yeah. And just, any way we can do that yeah absolutely and that's um i think the the knitting community is really good at that or maybe it's just because i'm kind of obsessed with knitting that i notice it i notice the knitting community more but definitely like i will go on to instagram and you know it's like all these great posts from knitting designers or other people in the in the knitting community and i just want to stay on there chatting all the time and adding things to my list of projects to make. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I think, I mean, I really feel like the knitters were at the forefront of of pod, craft podcasting too. Because right. I remember what I was listening to back like 2009. Those were, I was listening to knitting podcasts because I, I don't know there was anything else at the time. So Right, yeah. And yeah, I think the, yeah, the fiber arts community, they, they have really been... I guess in the forefront for stuff like that. I mean, look at the site, you know, Ravelry, which is the big knitting or knitting and crocheting site. And wow, it's, it's pretty amazing. So one thing that we definitely also have in common is this uh, passion for planning and helping others feel more satisfied by being thoughtful with their planning. So I'm curious about kind of your personal experiences, including from way back in your younger years that informed this direction that that you love to hang out in? Gosh, well, um, I'm a naturally really untidy and disorganized people, which you might think is funny considering that my brand name is the Organized Crafter Brain. But I, I mean, I don't remember being particularly interested in being neat and tidy or planning when I was younger. I got lots of flack of from of that about that from my mother, <laughs> who is a naturally organized person. So there are lots of head button. But I think once I graduated from university and started working, that's when I kinda saw the need to, you know, kinda get my act together, so to speak. Um Actually, I do remember, no, I think it's before that. When I studied for my my degree, which was in civil engineering, in our final year, we had to do a group project. And at that time, there were not many, and this is in the Caribbean, so there were not many women in engineering. So in my group, I was the only girl. It was me and four guys. And gosh, I had to expend so much effort keeping these guys in line and keeping them on track and <laughs> making sure that things were done on time. And I, yeah, I think that might be the first time when I realized that I actually had like, you know, contrary to what I've 
previously believed I was actually good at organizing and planning stuff. And I carried that into, you know, my first jobs. I think the first time I was, it was really something that I was like, yeah, I really need to be better was when I was doing my second degree, this was actually in the U.S. back in 2001. That's where I met my husband, incidentally. We were both in the same MBA program. And before that, I had been working or I had been at school. But this was the first time where I was both working. I had two part-time jobs at the university and I was at school and I was, you know, living my life. And I realized that I needed to be, you know, better at planning stuff. I remember reading, I bought, like I said, I love reading. And I, of course, I believe I can learn anything by reading it in a book. So I <laughs> bought a really popular organizing book at that time. I think her name is Suze Orman. I think she's still around. I don't remember the name of the book, but I remember I was like, I need to do something. I need to be more organized because, you know, I'm, a master's degree requires quite a lot of independent work. Plus I had two jobs. And that's kind of where it started for me, I guess. And it's just continued from then on. And then when I had my kid, even more, I was like, okay, if I want to be able to actually find time to get crafting done, I need to be more organized, not just my supplies, but, you know, myself and how my day is going to work. And so those are some of the things that kind of informed me moving in that direction of trying to trying to f find the time to do the things that I loved and not spend my entire day just, you know, looking after my son and my husband and our home, but also because I really, really, really loved making things and I wanted to continue making things. And so I started to be better at managing my time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I I think that's definitely another thing that that connects us. My background is in science. I'm okay. married to a civil engineer. And so kind of when you start bridging those two worlds, um, you can find out where you can leverage your strengths to to create well and, and as you said, organize your time so that you can prioritize the things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. And the way I look at it is I'm kind of like, you know, there's the, the left brain, right brain thing where, mm -hmm. you know, the left brain is, oh, am I getting this right? The left brain is the analytical, you know, yes. really, and then the right brain is the arty stuff. And that's where I got the idea of the crafter brain. It's like the, like my crafter brain kind of melds the two things, like the you know the, the the planning, the organizing, the analytical, with being creative, and that's what the crafter brain is. Yes, 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 I love it. <laughs> so, Francie, what types of planning tools are you personally using right now? So, the main thing I use is my bullet journal. I started bullet journaling in two thousand fifteen. Before that, I had tried a number of things. Actually, you know, there was a big planner craze with the filofaxes. That's where I started. Like, I bought myself a bunch of filofaxes, you know, those three-ring binders. I remember that. Right. I just got rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, had, I've got, I got rid of mine a few years ago. Um, and I, and bef because before that, actually, I had tried a number of different digital. There were all these 
digital websites and apps that were supposed to help you. There was to-do lists, to-do lists, I think it was called. There were a bunch of different ones and I tried them all and they, none of them worked. And then I discovered the paper planning and I loved it because of course it's creative, right? It, it used yes, stickers yes. and colored notes and different pens. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is it. So I jumped into that and I actually um, used that for probably a year or two. But then I discovered bullet journaling and that's where it all started to make sense for me because it was such a flexible system. It could be exactly what I wanted it to be. And so that is my primary way of planning. And I tend to stick to the pure, I guess, the bullet journal method as Ryder Carroll outlines it, you know, very simple. I don't do a lot of fancy spreads or a lot of decoration. It's really, it's my monthly calendar, my dailies with my tasks, you know, that's it. Basically every day I sit down and I write down my list of to do's and that's my main method of planning. And that's my main method of planning everything. Like that's kind of like my hub. I do use other notebooks. Like I have a, a notebook that's just for my business where I write down ideas, where I brainstorm stuff, where if I attend a class, I write the notes in and, you know, where I set out, like I've set out my calendars for the next three months as we head towards the end of the year so that I make sure that I'm getting everything done. So that's where kind of like I brainstorm, but in terms of the actual, what am I doing today? That then goes into my bullet journal, which I pretty much carry with me everywhere. And of course, I have my craft planner, which is mm -hmm. also separate because what I found, I think we mentioned compartmentalization earlier, and I found that I really yeah, yeah. need to have certain things separate, especially the reason why I have the separate notebooks is that there's a lot of information that I want to refer to again. And if it's in my day-to-day -day bullet journal, and I know a bullet journal lasts for several months, I guess for me, my bullet journal is kind of ephemeral, right? It's not, um, it's not a permanent thing, right? It's just what I do on a day, monthly on a day-to-day -day basis. But there's a lot of information that I want to refer to over time, like my craft um, notebook. I actually I call it a crafty bullet journal. It, it's really not exactly a bullet journal, but since that, that term bullet journal is something that everyone understands now to mean, you know, a notebook where you keep information. So I call it yes. my crafty bullet journal. And I've been using the same one for the last, I started the one I'm currently using in 2020, 2022, right? So I'm almost on two years of using it because there's information here that I want to refer to time and time again. You know, I keep in, I keep things like, you know, cheat sheets of information that I want to remember specifically related to, to knitting stuff like, you know, different yarn weights. So that's something I always have to check. And so I, I make sure that I keep stuff like that in a notebook. I know exactly where it is. If I need that information, I just go grab that notebook. I don't have to be sifting through my bullet journal from two years ago where I might have written that information down. Um, yeah, so that's 
that's pretty much it. Like my bullet journal is the hub. And then I kind of have what I call the supporting notebooks. I have my business notebook and I the two main ones would be my business notebook and my crafty bullet journal where I keep everything to do with crafts. So I'm curious uh, on a couple of different things. One, quickly, like what sizes are you using? Is there like what's the smallest you'll go or the largest you'll go with your notebook? Right. So my preferred size is A5. That okay. that's the one that I set, I landed on that was the perfect size for me because I like, like I said, I carry it with me everywhere. And that's, you know, A5, that's, it's big enough to have space to, you know, be able to write. And I'm not a neat writer. So like I need pages that <laughs> I can spread out on, so to speak, because I don't write neatly. So I can't have a tiny little notebook because I can't write tiny little words. I need to be able to see what I'm writing. And it's portable. I can pop it in my purse, my handbag, and go out with it. So, yeah, A5 is the size that I have settled on. I find anything smaller. I do have a couple smaller ones. Sometimes I will carry, if I don't want to carry my A5 notebook, I will pop like a small notebook in my bag so that I can, you know, write notes done on while I'm out and then transfer them back. But A5 is it for me. I think that seems to be one of the most popular sizes. I personally find it a little small, um, (laughs) but I also am not out and about a lot. I am very much at my desk. So I use a B5 because I just, I like the extra space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But your point about the, I guess the lifespan of a particular journal is I think really, really valuable that we're going to fill up a bullet journal if we're using it for our everyday planning far sooner than we will ever uh, stop needing the collections we're creating. Right. Particularly for, you know, crafts and business and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. having those in separate notebooks, I think, is a really smart idea. Yeah. And that is actually, that is exactly the issue that I I ran into, which is why I did that. Because when you start out, it's like you use the one bullet journal for everything. You need to do a new collection. You turn the page, you write it down, which is fine for certain things that, I mean, I will write down, I will make collections of stuff that I I know that I'm only going to refer to over for the next month, maybe in the next couple of weeks. But whenever it's yes. anything that I know that I, I will definitely be looking back on later, then that's how I came up with my system of separate notebooks. Oh, I love that. We will definitely include um, a link in the show notes to, uh, I know you have at least one blog post on how you use your crafty bullet journal. Yes, so yes, yeah, definitely. Can't wait to share that. So one of your taglines is to turn that scatter brain into a crafter brain. Um, can you kind of, as we're wrapping up here, share some specific ways that better organization and planning can help crafters? Because I know there's some of our listeners out there that maybe just feel like really um, held tightly to the way they are, they already do things. And mm-hmm. maybe we want to nudge them over into Absolutely. Uh, some of the things that we do. I definitely want to nudge, <laughs> nudge them over <laughs> because this is something that I feel that I come across a lot with creative people that not thinking that, well, things need to be planned or organized because it's creative. So you just kind of, you know, you go with the flow and everything is wonderful. But like I mentioned, the whole craft brain concept being kind of like tying the two sides of the brain together. I don't know if it's just me, but I I almost sometimes I feel like 
I'm both, like, I'm equally divided between left and right brain. I don't know. Maybe I'm fooling myself, but that's how I feel. No, that's how I've always felt. Okay. So, I, so I was so having a conversation this there's morning. <laughs> um, yeah. In another totally different domain. Uh, the stuff I do for the university about, we were talking about candidates that we're interviewing. And one of them said that same thing. And I'm like, I, we must interview her because I like brains that work like that. Right. I think they're yeah. really innovative and uh, great assets to any organization. Yeah. And so for me, it, I mean, I said, you know, my degree was in engineering, so I had that really mm-hmm. like technical analytical thing, but I also loved creating. And so I, you know, I've melded the two. And I know that lots of creatives don't necessarily, like you said, feel that they need to look at things that way. But it's definitely helped me to be more, um, what's the word, organized, to be to, to plan stuff out. And some of the things that um, I found this has helped me is, well, in I actually started this journey when I would get really frustrated when I would go to my craft space because I wanted to make something. And then one, my space would be in a mess. Two, I couldn't find what I wanted to do for the project that I was excited about. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, nap time was over and I hadn't gotten anything done because I couldn't find my supplies or I wasn't sure what I wanted to start on. So that's one of the things that my way of approaching it helps me to know like what supplies I have and where they are, which will help me better manage my time. Um, I like keeping lists of the projects that I want to do so that when I do find time to craft, I'm not wondering, well, what should I do today? I actually have an idea of the things I would like to create. Um, I use my calendars to keep on top of things like uh, dates of events or occasions or like birthdays or whatever. If I want to make gifts, then I I know that, okay, I have this coming up. I want to make a gift for this person and therefore I need to get it done now. Um, it can also help. It also, I also like to see what I have going on. Like in my craft notebook, I have, um, I draw up project pages for all the projects that I'm working on so that I know exactly what, what are the things that I'm working on. And so I can quickly follow up with what I want to do because I have all my notes written down. Uh, it helps me also to kind of decide whether this is something that I want to continue or not. One of the things I like to do is what I call my get clear and get crafting process, where I pretty much list out all of the projects that I mean, that are in progress, that I want to do, that I have, that I started, you know, months or years ago and that I haven't touched again and kind of try to prioritize them and decide, am I, am I actually going to continue doing these or should I just, you know, cut my losses and move on to something else? Um, another thing that's really useful for me is that I can look and I can see what projects I have currently going to decide whether I have the time or the space to do something new. 
and yes. or to yes. decide if I if it's something that I really want to do, then it means then I need to let go of something else. And one of the things I do is I do uh, in I do a tool inventory. I like to, to keep an inventory of my tools and supplies, the, the major ones, so that I know what I have and that I don't go buying stuff that I already have. Therefore, I'm saving money because I'm not repurchasing something that I already own. As far as specifically knitting is concerned, as you know, with knitting, obviously you have different sizes needle, different sizes of needles. So if mm-hmm. I've decided that there's a project I want to do and I check to see if I have the needle size that I need that is actually free for me to do this project. So I know, you know, whenever I start a project, I write down what needle size I'm using and I can check to see which needles are in use to know whether or not I can actually start a new project using that needle size or if it's something that needs to be put off. So those are some of the things I feel that can help crafters make more time, not find more time because we all have the same amount of time as they say, but, (laughs) but basically make more time to do the thing that we love to do. And not be frustrated when we want to make something and then just we can't because we can't find what we need or we're overwhelmed because there's too many things we want to make and we don't know where to start. I've been in that situation so many times. Oh, yes, yes. And you mentioned creative flow earlier that maybe somebody who doesn't trend towards planning or organizing their ideas says, I just want to, you know, get into it. Well, I think we all face so many of these examples and the best way to find that flow is to reduce the barrier to entry so that you can get yes. started easily and Absolutely. jump in and know what you're doing. And then you're, you find yourself in that, the happy place of crafting. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's, that's exactly it. I like to encourage people also to kind of, organize stuff so that when they have time, there are certain things that they know that they can do. So that if you only have five minutes, for example, maybe you can print out a pattern, right? Or if you're a scrapbooker and you have 20 minutes, maybe you can collect together your photos and the things you want to use for the next page that you want to make. You know, or maybe if you know you want to be making a mini book, you know, break it down into steps. You know that you're going to need X amount of photos. So when you have, I don't know, 45 minutes, you're on your computer, you're editing, you're choosing your photos, you're editing your photos, and you're getting those printed, whether you print them yourself or send them out. And then you know Mm -hmm. that you have those. So then the next step, your photos are ready and you can start working on the project. So little things like that where you decide, you know, what can I do in five minutes? Like in five minutes, I can wind a ball of yarn, for example, for my next project. In five minutes, I can draw up the project page for the project I'm about to start so that when I start, and I should mention when I draw up a project page, I write down all the supplies needed. So even if I'm not about even if I'm not going to start the project right away, when I'm ready to start, I don't have to go hunting 
for wherever my tutorial or my pattern is. I pick up my notebook, I look at the project page, I see, oh yes, I, I need X, Y, Z. I get those out. If I'm not ready to start the project right away, I can get them ready and put them aside. And then they're ready to go when I have, you know, 45 minutes. So that's basically my approach. I would love to hear more about the tools that you've created for others to use in support of these goals. Right. So I've started producing printables. I have printable um, project planners. Uh, the main one th that I have now is, is actually called 365 Days of Making, and it's set out monthly. So it starts with January and goes through December. Of course, you can pick it up at any point in the year and just start at the the month. It basically takes you through the process of setting yourself up for success by taking you through the get clear and get crafting process so that you ideally at the beginning of the year, you prioritize the projects that you want, you know, you want to work on in the months to come. Um, so there's a, a, a section for each month there's a calendar where you can write down, you know, upcoming dates that are important. You can write down your per, a list of the priority projects for that particular month. And then there are four project spreads each month that you can then use to keep track of all the projects that you're working on. So that's called 365 Days of Making. Um, I have a another one. I have two others which are smaller and this one is letter size actually usually like I said I like A5 but I know that some people like to have larger sizes mm -hmm. and the good thing with printables of course is that you can print them out smaller if you wanted to I do have also a number of paperbacks like I the same 365 days of making is also available in paperback I have two smaller paperbacks one is called the craft project and supplies planner, which is very similar to, to the 365, except it's not set up in terms of months. It's just basically set up with project planning sheets that you can use however you like. And nice. then another one that's um, called Make, Do, and Mend that's even more, that's even more simplified um, with just one-page project sheets. And that one is the one that I actually use myself sometimes when I'm taking projects out with me, that I don't have to take my full bullet journal. It's just slim paperback. So those are some of the things that I, I, I make to help crafters. I also make just plain dot grid notebooks that you can, with a, that come with an index and that have numbered pages and that you can use for crafts or for whatever. Because I know that some people prefer to have the structure of the planner with the layouts already there for you. But other people, and I, I happen to be one of them, <laughs> prefer to kind of just have a blank notebook and use it in the way that, that works for us. So I kind of offer both of those options. Nice. We will definitely link to your shop so everyone can cool. check out all of your options. Awesome. I, um, for so many years, uh, struggled to find the perfect planner and recently settled on Bullet Journal because There's the no most perfect one I can create is the one I draw myself, exactly. right? <laughs> that was that was exactly what what happened with me as well. That that that's the perfect one. It can be whatever I want it to be on any particular day. So yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can't wait to 
for all of our listeners to really take this all to heart and use it as they are planning their 2024. Francine, this has been so fun. Can you share where we can find you online? Anything you might have new or coming up in 2024? So my blog is com, And I need to say very clearly that I spell organized with an S because I had a British type education. (laughs) So that's important. (laughs) If you want to find me, you have to remember that it's an S, not a Z, not a Z. See, I say Z. I don't even say Z. Um, So theorganizedcrafterbrain.com is my blog. I'm on Instagram as at organizedcrafterbrain. And you can find my weekly newsletter at kalaloocollective.substack.com. But I think we should definitely put those that one in the show notes because that one is a bit complicated. Kalaloo is the name of a dish from the Caribbean. And it has a, yes. a special spelling. So I think we're going to have to see, find the link in the show notes for that one, for sure. No problem at all. All right. This has been so fun. Again, thank you for spending time with me. Yeah, this has been great. Of course, you know, talking about planning and crafts. We both love that. So it's been a wonderful time. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook and craft your way. 